Well, hey, everybody. Uh, good to be with you. We are going to spend the next three weeks in the Psalms. This week, Psalm 61, if you want to go ahead and find that, or it'll be on your notes. Um, I am a guy who knows most of the rules for how to study the Bible. Uh, but the fact is, uh, I forget them a lot. Um, so I know, for example, that Psalms are poetry, and they should not be read like history or instruction or theology, although you can certainly learn history and instruction and, and theology from the Psalms. But first and foremost, these are poems, like carefully crafted, artfully worded poetry. And I, I sometimes tend to think of them as wrongly as haphazard streams of consciousness because I mean they seem at times to like they bounce all over the place they're emotional and that's that's often how emotions work but um, the Psalms are so much more than like emotional flourishes uh, they are designed and when we remember that uh, and we look for the designs uh, then they start leaping off the page so let's look at the design of Psalm 61, first couple verses now say this, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you, I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So these first couple of verses, uh, David's raw, he's, he's admitting that he's desperate, that he's overwhelmed. Um, and he's stuck. He can't get out of where he's at on his own. So from these low, desolate places, he is begging for high ground. And that's the first idea that this psalm is built around. It's really obvious and good. Uh, go to the Lord when you're desperate. That's a good idea. Run to him when you're at your lowest point. And I'll say this, I, I think this is by far the most intuitive part. Um, this is the part we don't we don't even have to be taught this, actually. Uh, people who don't even believe that they believe in God cry out to the God that they don't believe they believe in when they get desperate enough. And that's what David's doing. And then in verse 3, uh, he's remembering this, which is that in dark times, he has come to the Lord and he's never been turned away. In fact, if you think about it, no one has ever come to the Lord in a dark time and been turned away. And that's, that's verse three. Here we go. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. So he's come to God in his desperation every time he's welcomed. And he's welcomed, hear this, not as a stranger and not as a black sheep, but as a true child. So no, no asterisks, fully restored. And it, it, it works. Okay. And then, then he shifts his focus to the second idea that this psalm is built around, which is that um, you don't actually have to be at the end of your rope in order to turn to the Lord. So that's verse 4. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. So basically, he's saying, like, like he's come in this desperate moment to be with the Lord, and now he's asking, why don't, like, why don't I just stay here? Like, I don't... I run to him for shelter. I come to him when I'm panicked. But he's looking around and going, you know, I, I could just stay. You know, I, I, I imagine him coming to this place of shelter in a place of 
total absolute desperation. He's diving in, in the front door. You know, the bullets are flying, maybe doing a barrel roll. Um, just desperate and searching for refuge. And, and then once he gets there, he's looking around the place and he's taking some notes and he's going, you know what? Like, this isn't, this isn't like just a fallout shelter for super desperate people. He's going, this is, this is actually my home. Like this, this is a place that's designed for me to stay. And so I picture him looking around and going, you know what? My, my name's embroidered on all the linens here and all my favorite foods in the fridge and my favorite coffee's brewing and realizing this isn't just temporary, temporary housing for really desperate times. He's going, this is, this is home. I should stay. And chances are you've to some extent had this realization, like you've, you've come to the Lord and then you have run from the Lord. And when you came back, you're left asking yourself, why didn't I just stay here all along? I don't, don't miss this. I don't only have to run to Jesus in my most desperate moments. I, I can like walk with Jesus every day of my life. And this is my home. And why did I ever leave? And it's, it's a lesson that many people get, um, but unfortunately fail to apply. Um, I have things like this, lessons that I don't really learn. We all do. Um, for me, one of them is uh, I really like a sausage egg McMuffin from McDonald's. Like, they're so good. Um, but the thing is, every time I get one, I find something, like, literally not fit for human consumption in the sausage. Like, some, something inedible is in there. I can't really tell what it is, a piece of bone or plastic or what. I don't know. It's weird stuff. And that happens. I don't want to exaggerate. But, on, I mean, it, almost every time that happens... And here's the thing. I still go to McDonald's and buy sausage McMuffins. And I have options. It's not like it's my only choice, but I just keep doing it. I was um, telling this to a friend recently, and he showed me a picture on his phone where he had he'd gone to Taco Bell, and in his burrito, all right, listen to me now, okay, he found part of a retainer. A, re a retainer, okay? Like, I saw the picture. Uh, it was it was clearly a good-sized chunk of a retainer. Now, like, could that possibly be? No, it was. It was a retainer. Um, and that's actually not the weird part. The weird part is, is that he still eats at Taco Bell regularly, all right? Point is, we don't always learn our lessons. And good grief. Like, how, how many times can we wander away from the Lord, get desperate, come running back, and then, while we're in the Lord's presence, be looking around just flummoxed, stupefied, wondering why we ever left in the first place. Like, why, looking around, like, why didn't I just stay here? This is clearly better. This is clearly home, and yet we run. You know, I, I want so much to be the person who has the wisdom to put down some roots and stay in the place, you know? And, and, and when I'm, when I'm with the Lord, I'm walking with him daily. It's so obvious to me, um, that this is better. And, and I'll use David's words for this from Psalm 84. Better is one day in your house, in the Lord's house, than a thousand times, than a thousand days anywhere else. Like it's more than a thousand times better than anything else. And yet I still choose to leave. And I know that to be true. I want to walk out what I know to be true. 
And as we look at the next verse, uh, you can see that David is working on that, that same kind of a pivot. And we find it in verse 5. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. So, uh, it strikes me weird in a couple of ways when I first read through it. Um, uh, first, why is he suddenly talking about the king's lifespan? That feels off. Um, but then I realize um, that David wrote this. He is the king, and so he's talking about himself. Um, and then I realize that he, the, these vows that he's talking about uh, are really the thrust of what he's saying. He's talking about the examples that he's seen growing up, and he's not talking about living an extra super long life. Um, he's talking about leaving a legacy that will extend generation after generation. It's born of these vows that he talks about um, in verse 5. And that's really the third idea. He's saying, Lord, you've, you've heard my vows. You've heard my vows. You, in other words, you know the type of man I want to be. The type of man that I intend to be. And so what's happening is, David is, he's sick of the whole yo-yo relationship with God where uh, you know, he, he runs off until either his conscious or his desperate circumstances yank him back to the Lord. And this happens over and over again. And he doesn't, he wants to break that cycle. He wants to be faithful and reliable and, and consistent. He wants to be, as he says, a person with vows. And to clarify, he's, he's not talking about rash emotional vows. Um, He's talking about having an examined life. He's, he's talking about being a person who has like weighed their own priorities and they have considered their outcomes and values and they've drawn some conclusions. And from that, they've said, actually, this, this is how I want to live. This is who I want to be. And I'm committing to my values and I'm building my life around them. And this very rational step uh, sadly, is is pretty rare. This deal where where people look back and they like trace the patterns in their own life, and then they decide in their moments of clarity, not in the panic, in the clarity. And they look back and they, you know, for example, we'll see like destructive patterns in their relationships, and then they'll decide I I don't want that, or they'll see these wild pendulum swings and how they manage their money or their time or whatever. And they're going, I don't, I don't want that. And then out of those moments of clarity in the presence of God, when they are calm, they say, I'm going to build my life differently. And those, those are the vows that David is writing poetry about. He's, he's talking about being a person with a foundation and so he's, he's writing some vows to get his life in line with his own heart. And that's the step that many people know to take but rarely do. So before we move on, I, I want us to really consider the difference, think about this, between urgency and need. Urgency and need. Um, I was thinking, I was remembering, I, I miss when the kids were really little. Um, and at the same time, be honest, I never want to go back. <laughs> and one of the reasons why I never want to go back 
is just all the stinking drama around just going to the bathroom. Something so simple, especially when they're just out of diapers, you know, like they don't ever just kind of need to pee. It's they cannot pee until it's a full on emergency, right? And so it goes zero to 100 in an instant. And so it's, it's tears and it's panic and it's this imminent threat of leaving a puddle somewhere in a public place. So it just it goes zero to 100. And so what that, what that means is when you're out is you have to drop everything and you have to run. And the worst is when you're, you're carrying the kid and you're just, you're just waiting for that warm, disgusting message that you didn't make it, you know, like it's always so urgent. And the absolute worst feeling is when the kid manages to hold it, but while, while you were running to the promised land that is a public bathroom, they're urge to pee has now passed and then then they won't do it and like the urge is gone so they're just out they won't do it all right but here's the thing the need hasn't gone anywhere it didn't change their bladder was full it's still full the urge is gone and the need is the same and the thing is i know what's going to happen next as soon as, as soon as we get to the place in the store that's furthest from the bathroom, then the urge is going to come right back and then it's going to happen all over again. It's so frustrating. I, I honestly think that I would rather they pee on me than get to the bathroom and refuse to go because it's so obvious just because the urge is gone doesn't mean the need is gone. Okay, <laughs> listen to me now. Let's not, let's not wade through all the crude potty humor and then miss the point. All right, here we go. Problem is, children can't tell the difference between urgency and need. And they only listen to the urges. They, they, can't, they can't hear the whispers. It's only the alarms. And, don't miss it, tragically, that is how most people are with their spiritual lives. They run to Jesus only when it's urgent. Only when their lives are on fire. Only when all of the alarms are sounding. But when the urgency passes, they go right back to the same old patterns. Guys, we have to move beyond only responding to spiritual urges while ignoring our spiritual needs. You need Jesus when you aren't falling apart. You need Jesus when you aren't desperate. You need Jesus when you do have a grip. When the urgency is gone, the need isn't. And that's, that's what David's talking about. He wants to live an intentional life that's built around fellowship with God and faithfulness to his own priorities. And he knows that means vows. That means looking back, learning the patterns that have marked his life, building new ones that work better, it means having the maturity to walk with Jesus daily instead of only running to Jesus in panic and desperation. And so David um, closes his poem the way he designed it to close, um, by, by telling us what it looks like when we do what he's talking about. This is verse 8. He says, Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows every day. So I think about it, that the net result of this is a life of praise, fulfilling vows. And I, 
I've just been really struck by the simplicity of this, the picture of a godly person who has made their vows, um, and, and this day they will worship Jesus and they will keep those vows. And that's what they did yesterday, and that's what they're going to be doing tomorrow. And this has become a daily prayer for me for a while now, saying, Lord, I'm, I am going to worship you and fulfill my vows. Worship you and fulfill my vows today. This overarching idea. Um, guys, I'll level with you. I am so concerned about just the intense reactivity in our society. I mean, the news is almost like it's it's almost exclusively instant reaction. And the more reactive it is, the better it's received. And there's like, there's a lot of doom scrolling our timelines and reading the latest the latest COVID numbers or the latest presidential tweet or the latest scandal or who's getting canceled, and it's all it's all fueled by reactivity and it it feeds and it rewards reactivity. And guys, I think we need to detox. Uh, We need to make sure our lives aren't run by a series of reactions and impulses, but instead our lives are run by carefully chosen vows. And and when I say that, what, what I'm talking about is spiritual maturity. Um, that's what it takes in order to pull this off. And that's, that's a process. It's a pro it's not, it's not a choice. It's, you can't decide I'm going to be spiritually mature now. It's a process. And to that end, I I want to just remind you that prayer and scripture every day, time spent in prayer, time spent in God's word is the absolute cornerstone of that. It's the foundation of that. It is, hear me, it's step one, and we live in this sort of sad reality where a great many Christians, I, I don't care to conjecture what, what percentage, but a great many Christians have failed to take step one in the pursuit of a life that pleases the Lord, which is daily prayer and daily scripture. Um, that's the very foundation of the spiritual maturity it takes to live an intentional life that is built on our vows. Um, and I also want to recommend a, a tool for this. Um, there's, a, there's a very old idea called a, a rule of life, a rule of life. Um, and a rule of life is a very deliberate way to do what I'm talking about here, a very deliberate way to make our vows. And I've put a, a few resources in the notes in case you want to lean into that. Now, just in case you hear rule of life and you think, ah, rules and legalisms and you know, and, and you react with, well, I'm free in Jesus. I don't need that. I, I just, I want to encourage you. A rule of life is all about taking control of your life and not giving control over to society. It's, it is the ultimate flex of your freedom in Christ. It truly is. Um, and you can get resources for that in our notes, but I want to remind you that's step, that's step two at the earliest. Step one, step one, in living a life that's marked by our vows, where our actual values and priorities dictate our day-to-day and hour-to-hour, the very core and foundation of that is a daily ritual, a rhythm of prayer and scripture. Through that, we build a foundation of spiritual maturity. We start living lives that aren't marked by extreme reactivity and stay on a course that the Lord 
has set for us. I want to encourage you to do that.